Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's gonna be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're gonna hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk, nope. we gotta sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hey, and welcome back to the Jesus Said Love podcast. Hey, Brett. You're back, finally. I am back. I missed you last week. It's good to be here, looking right at you, like we always do every week. Every moment. I love to just stare at you. It's so... (laughs) So creepy a little bit to our listeners. We're married, guys. Um, Also, we have in the house some of our favorite people on earth, not just because they're doing amazing things in Waco community and internationally, um, really, at this point. You made us sound very broad. Well, Well, before before you even say who it is, I got to tell you, I'm a little starstruck because they're like famous. They're Waco famous and internet famous. famous. Internet famous. Um, they're personally famous to us because we know them. True. So that makes them famous. And they were the Wacoans of the year. Dun, 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 dun. Bam, bam, bam. Did you know that is an award <laughs> in the state of Texas? Well, at you least know in what? the city of Waco. People know now. So look it up. Wacoans of the year. We have two of the three in our studio today at Jesus Said Love headquarters in Waco. And they are our friends, two of the three founders who began the Refit Revolution. Yeah. (laughs) And we are so excited to welcome Angela Beeler and Catherine Ballas. Um, We will be referring to Catherine as Cappy probably because, hey, that's what we call you. That's who you are to us. That's right. I'll take it. Is there a story behind Cappy? Yeah. You want to tell us real quick, just Why, so we all know? Yes, I do, Brett. Why not? <laughs> um, so when I was little, and still true to today, um, wore a lot of hats, a.k.a. caps. Oh. Baller. So my dad gave me the nickname Cappy. Love Cappy. it. Yeah. Love it. Well, like we've already pumped them up enough, but the reason we have them on this podcast today, as you know, our category for podcast is nonprofit, and we talk all things. Jesus said love, organization, people, community, um, ideas, what's working, what's not working. And one of the things that's so beautiful is that we get to constantly talk about what we're building, how we're growing our your business, our nonprofit. And there's some overlap there. You know, like you guys have said, it's not apples to apples, mm-hmm. but there's some overlap. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about how nonprofits can learn from businesses and how even businesses can learn from nonprofits. But before we do that, tell us what Refit is. Because I can tell people, but I want you guys to tell us. Take it away, Angela. Oh my goodness, you're (laughs) going to punt to me. Yeah, so Refit um, obviously started in Waco, Texas. What was, what my husband lovingly referred to it as, a very expensive hobby. (laughs) Uh, We were just teaching fitness classes around the Waco area. Um, Our heart has always been to connect people to each other Mm -hmm. and people to community. And so we really kind of approached this thing, I don't know, 
on a wing and a prayer, I yeah. guess. And I love your story about how it, it kind of, your fitness journey started with like the whole dropout situation. Correct. So I, tell us that story. Yeah. I had just had my third baby mm-hmm. and I was staying at home and I thought, you know, I'm a, you know, young mom. I need to get back into shape. So I went to my local YMCA and I just <laughs> popped in on a, on a body shaping class and about 30 minutes in, I left, went home and um, I didn't actually puke, but I just stayed on the bathroom floor <laughs> for almost the rest of the day. But how many of us have felt that? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So Very when you're so experience. out of shape mm-hmm. and you, you kind of in your head imagine like, I'm going to get in here and like kill it in the gym and like right. your people are hyping you up, like fitness instructors are like hyping you up that you can do this, yeah. like own it. And I think I was you living, tried. I thought I was 18. Yeah. You know, I didn't totally. realize I hadn't worked out in three years. Why do I think I can come and accomplish this? So that experience really resonated with me, translated into like, hey, how can we create a place where mm. women can come and whether they're successful or whether they fail or whether they can only work out for 15 minutes or 30 minutes mm. or the whole class, but they find a place where they can connect. And I think our journey in the women that we love and serve is Women who would never darken the door of a gym. That's true. Um, because of insecurity or size or shape or ability. And I think fitness in general is an industry that is filled with competition. Yeah. And it's kind of like, show me. Show me what you've done with your body. Show me your transformation. Mm-hmm. But what happens to the women who can't show you that? Exactly. Or who are still in progress or on the journey. Yeah. So, Which leads me to a question, though. i got to ask. Because, you know, I've been in the gym before. Not your gym. But I've been in other gyms that don't have this. But I have always wondered, why is there that mirror? <laughs> if I'm not supposed to look at myself and look at everything sliding and moving and sloshing, oh why God. is the freaking mirror? Do you slide and move and slosh? <laughs> yeah. Can you help me with that? Why is there a mirror? In the gym in general? In your gym. Why do you have a mirror? Oh, well, form is what I, I always mean, think. There's yeah. a... There's a form and feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, I think our big perspective changes, um, Angela always says it is look for feedback in the mirror. Don't, don't hate that mirror anymore. Mm-hmm. Learn to love it. You know, learn yeah. to love what you're seeing in the mirror as you're sliding and sloshing. Look for feedback. <laughs> and I do think yeah. it's true, um, that when I've experienced refit and, you know, I'm not like a dancer, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, but I love to move and I love to dance and it is fun that you can see yourself with the moves becoming a little more fluid, the more you take the classes and the more you get comfortable in your own skin and you can put your own little nuance here and there. And it's cool to see yourself change, mm-hmm. you know, and grow. Mm-hmm. And so I do love that. Whereas the first time you go, you might be like locked on to you guys. Like I'm not looking in the mirror. I'm not going to, you know, and you're just locked onto the instructor mm-hmm. and then you get just a little more comfortable mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, I can do that. I didn't know that's what I looked like doing that. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we've heard too, that dance is a universal language, mm-hmm. right? You I look at any country, any city, yeah. any gender, any type of music, people want to move their bodies to dance. And so so I think there's something, like you're saying, there's something freeing. And if you can kind of connect movement to Mm -hmm. music and into your person... You, you can experience a whole new level of like freedom yes. and it goes beyond the body. Totally. Music is universal. Movement is universal. And that embodiment mm-hmm. is so empowering. Like connecting those two things in yourself is so amazing, which is why we love you because 
with Jesus said love, obviously we deal with survivors of Mm -hmm. uh, sex exploitation and you guys have provided such a beautiful space for them to learn to like own and get comfortable again in their own skin where it's not for money, not for sex, not for, it's for them. Mm -hmm. And so Cappy, tell us a little bit about why and how you created Mm -hmm with this community or what's important about that to you? Yeah. I think, uh, we have it written on the side of our building Mm -hmm. and it says everybody belongs. Yeah. And that's written not just on our building, but to sound cheesy on our hearts. Yeah. Like we really do live from that place. I think like Angela mentioned a second ago, most people don't experience that sense of belonging when they walk into a gym. There might be community, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than mm-hmm. belonging. And um, learning that change really does happen from the inside out versus mm-hmm. the outside in. That's what the fitness industry is screaming like, hey, if you feel better on the outside, you're, you might feel mm-hmm. better on the inside. Mm-hmm. But our approach is actually the opposite. Yeah. Let's, let's get you in this community. Let's get you a place where you feel like you belong here. And let's get you changed from the inside out. So you made a distinction between community and belonging, which I think is really important. I don't know that I've ever fully distinguished those two things. Can you give some language around that? Yeah. I mean, I think there are communities okay. around us, right? Mm-hmm. But belonging is, there's a feeling associated with that. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a community, you could be in the middle of a community mm-hmm. at work, a work community, but you don't feel like you belong there. That's a, that's a great point. It yeah. makes me think of that Loneliness. scene. I'm going to go back a little bit. It makes me think of that scene in Cheers. Mm-hmm. That every time Norm walks in, everybody says, Norm. Yeah. Like, that's the difference between community and belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Here we Norm. go. Norm. Angela, the Enneagram eight. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm always going to bow to my male eight. Um, but I would say yes. And community would be that Norm walks in and everybody knows his, his name. name. I think belonging is that same person walks in and everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, 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 maybe another level yeah. deeper mm-hmm. than community. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So as you guys have grown, cause you started here in Waco and one of the things that I think has been part of our conversation in growth and managing growth is that there are pivots and sacrifices that you have to choose and determine along the way. So you kind of started here and you guys started as kind of like Zumba instructors as part of another kind of group. And then you kind of branched off and we're like, we actually kind of feel like we're growing in a different direction. And then you kind of grew deep in Waco for a little bit, but then you kind of like made this pivot to training instructors all over the place. So what, what was that pivot like and why, why did you guys decide to go that direction? So we talk in our instructor trainings because part of what we train is telling our story Mm because I think it represents kind of everybody's journey, even you and I, Mm -hmm. you know, what you guys are doing in building is very similar in journey Mm -hmm. to what we're doing. But I think, um, when we realized well, YouTube played a huge part that yeah. kind of helped us expand beyond just the Waco zip code. And as we started to hear more from our people, from our community, hey, I love this. How can I do this? How can I get a class like this in my area? How can I be an instructor? Mm-hmm. When you hear enough of that, you mm-hmm. start to believe that people actually want what they're asking you for. Right. And so that's really what gave us the courage to mm-hmm. step forward. It was never, ever our intention to do this. It yeah. was all... 
an idea given to us mm-hmm. by the community that we had built. When you're listening to the community. Yes. Responding to need. You're responding mm-hmm. to I mean, need. It, it was after a hundred of emails of, yeah. hey, I want to be an instructor. I want to teach this. So we were like, oh, maybe we should. Yeah. It, was not, it was not a five-year business plan that you set out before you even opened your doors. Correct. It was yeah. organic. Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's the key. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the key because you're listening to the need. Responding to the need. And we all, need. we've run our business like that from since then, since, you know, 2009, 2011. But that's how we make all of our decisions mm-hmm. is, is there need or people asking for this? And when we hear enough of those requests, we'll start mm-hmm. to either recalibrate or change directions or pivot based mm-hmm. on what they're asking for. Yeah. So you start training instructors. So how do you in that keep the core of community at the center where everybody belongs? How do you, yeah, is it through the story and through the trainings? Like, how is that lived out and expressed, like, all across the country? Yeah, I think everything that we do from social media to our instructor training to live events to our YouTube channel really does reflect our values. Mm. That was really important to us from day one. Mm-hmm. We, I remember where we were. We were at the Collins Street Bakery off yeah. I-35. There you go. Um, <laughs> Having a muffin. We were like, no one's going to be here, so we can go yeah. meet. It'll just be tourists, you know? Right. Um, so we sat down, and we wrote, down, we wrote out our values. Mm-hmm. And they've um, taken on a different shape today. Yeah. You know, they look a little different. The heart is the same. But I think when you're really clear on what you value, you're going to attract attract people who value the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the community and the DNA transfer is actually easier. Yeah. Because you're already using the language they understand and they, they get it. They're They've like, asked for it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like an automatic buy-in. Yeah. The other part I would say to that is that most people who come into our community have had that transformative experience of feeling a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. whether it's through the classes or through their instructors or just through connecting with the, their local mm-hmm. refit community. Mm-hmm. And so part of our instructor training is to say, you've had an experience mm-hmm. where belonging has changed you. Mm-hmm. And now as an instructor, your new question is how can I create an experience mm-hmm. of belonging for others? Mm-hmm. So I think it's empowering women to mm-hmm. know that they have a role in not just being a recipient mm-hmm. of belonging or a recipient of right. transformation, but they can actually create it for other people. Yes. Do you have, so I've noticed in your kind of community that there are some more like refit dudes now, like even your merch is like Brett. refit dudes. Brett, do you want to be a refit dude? You know, I'm going to be honest. I have never, <laughs> ever done done one refit class. Wait, Brett, 2019 goal is to be a refit dude. <laughs> Should I add that on my list? Yeah. I will ahead, lead a class. Or oh I'll, I'll at least do a dance or a thing. So funny. <laughs> dance. Whatever you call it. Or a thing. Perfect. Mm-mm. A piece. <laughs> I'll just leave a piece of me with you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank yeah. you. When did that kind of start happening? And it's grown, right? Yeah. And so like everybody belongs really does mean that to you guys. Like you really do accept anyone who mm-hmm. is willing to adhere to the values that you guys, you know, celebrate and promote. And, you know, if people are bought into that, then anyone is welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when did you start seeing guys come along? Uh, Junior Johnson was our very first okay. um, guy. He, his wife, Edie, was going through terminal cancer mm. and dancing brought him joy. Wow. And so he attended one of our trainings in North Carolina. And that's been probably what he was our first refit dude. So wow. that was 2013, I believe, 2014. 
So we, this community has walked him through his wife's illness and wow. subsequent passing, and mm. he's still teaching and leading. He's, wow. Um, he's currently a hot item on the single market Is right now. He <laughs> in North Carolina? Yes. And Junior Johnson in Mooresville, North Carolina. There you go. Look yes. him up on Facebook Is or he the on the refit page. The, is he a little bit... He's older, older. Yes. yeah. I that, love me some reason. I love that dude's energy. I mean, oh, he's yeah. like, oh, amazing, he's, contagious. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so I think since then, you know, we've had mm-hmm. more. Once that one guy sees it, oh, you mean guys can do this? Then you see others that follow. But to your point, I think we've certified all types of people. Mm-hmm. We've um, had people who have said emailed us to say, "I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. Can I still be a part of this community?" And so we're always sort of being tested in our val our very first value is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And so that's always being challenged. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's a wonderful thing to be able to really live out yeah. what we value. So in saying that, you're are you faith based? You would, you are faithful faithful people. Yes. yes. I would as say personally mm-hmm. as as individuals, we have a personal faith. And I think that anything you carry and you value will be reflected in what you do, whether mm-hmm. that's work or whether that's being a mom or whether that's being mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are not overtly, we definitely do not use the Christian fitness label. That's mm-hmm. actually what we train yeah. um, in our instructor trainings, that we think that label actually uh, does the opposite mm-hmm. of include mm-hmm. because it sets up this uh, meaning of only Christians can. Right. do this form of fitness. Yeah. So we've done a lot of work and it did not come easy because mm-hmm. it, it did, you know, disrupt some of the community members at mm-hmm. the time, but we've made strategic decisions about how to use more inclusive language, mm-hmm. how to pull away from any language that would marginalize or mm-hmm. indicate you have to be something in order mm-hmm. to be a part of what we're doing. That's good. And I think too, that translates for, for most of our instructors and most of our community to that value of acceptance looks like, Okay, I'm a mom of four, and they're all they're under the age of five, right? And I don't feel like myself in my body. Yeah, I don't know who I am anymore. Right. Um, and I'm gonna try this refit thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's where that acceptance really it is. is. I mean, about. and I remember personally like walking through this transformation with you guys, even as a like taking your Zumba classes and then getting pregnant with Gus, and then you know like making that kind of refit leap and pushing us through a stroller when you guys were renting a building before you owned your headquarters, you know, and you guys were always willing to like baby in the back with snacks on the stroller tray <laughs> while I like shook it and twisted <laughs> on the dance floor. Sloshed around. Sloshed around, <laughs> slipped and slide. Hey, you know, it was, it was just like, it is a welcoming community and it's so much fun. Um, I think one of the things that is really cool about you guys, so we've talked a little bit about the Enneagram and I'm a one, Brett's an eight, Cappy, you're a one, Angela's an eight. And let's we, get ready to rumble. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> baby, you're a firework. It's like, whoa, sparks gonna fly where the one and the eight are colliding. Um, have there like, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what personality means to your leadership style, what your individual personalities, um, kind of Cappy, how you choose to lead out, how Angela chooses to lead out, and then what that does for your community when it's put together. The best and worst of both, sure. Why not? It's like... (laughs) Yeah, bonanza. (laughs) 
That's so good. <sighs> oh, man. Well, in full disclosure, Brett is my sort of personal therapist. <laughs> I, I text Brett a lot on the side about business frustrations it. and if, being an eight. If eight. people ever saw our text thread, we're, we're dead. <laughs> we're just destroyed because it's they, raw. <laughs> they would fire us immediately. Well, yeah. That's why friendship is so important. And you got to have other leaders that you can be totally real and authentic with and, and share the love. You know, you actually helped me discover that I am a one. Mm. I remember I was so frustrated with the Enneagram. Oh, yes. Because everyone's like, you're a seven, you're a nine, you're yeah. a two. And I'm like, <laughs> you need to shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's telling you who you are. And yeah. then I took it three times. I came out three different numbers. And you were like, you said, and you asked me the question, you said, have you ever looked at the one? Mm-hmm. So you didn't tell me. Right. And that was really... That kind I was of practicing restraint. Thank you. See, ones really like to tell right. other people exactly. like this is what you are. What, when you when you read the one, what about it kind of struck you your gut? I actually listened to mm-hmm. uh, Suzanne. Yes, mm-hmm. and I was in such denial about the inner, inner critic mm. that listening to it was like like it totally. I guess literally just that day I was in the elevator and I was like, Oh, why'd you do that? You're such an idiot. Uh Like I'm saying that to myself. (laughs) I was like, why'd you just say that to that person? You're such a ding dong, you know? (laughs) And then I was like, Oh my God, I do that all the time. So Mm -hmm. that really kind of hit me. I know Mm -hmm. you had your own moment too. Mm -hmm. And also given to me by Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Emily is the Enneagram gift that keeps on giving. Um, yeah, same thing. I knew I was an eight. I mean, I took it five times, and it was eight, 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 all five times. But the teaching that yeah. you sent me also, there were the zingers that everybody mm-hmm. talks about, that that moment in the teaching where you're just immediately brought to tears because mm-hmm. it's almost as though someone has stepped inside your mind and mm-hmm. dug up that deep secret thought that you mm-hmm. thought nobody knew. But yeah, You know, one of the things I remember you saying early on, Angela, when you found out you were an eight was that... I th- Maybe you had an emotional response. I, I think did. you remember that you My cried. My eyes leaked a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. not, a, not a full body shake cry, no. but just a little bit of emotion. And I think I remember you saying, I've never felt more understood than in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I think what sucks for particularly female eights is that they're known as the bitch. Mm-hmm. And the male eights are the great leader. Yeah, the, the strong boss. boss. Yeah. And um, in that moment, you realized, I'm not a bitch. I'm, I'm actually a strong restorative justice kind of person and I feel so understood and that's the beauty of the mm-hmm. Enneagram. It's um, that understanding, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least if I was a bitch, I'm at least no longer alone. I'm not the only one. <laughs> well, there's true. Hey, I can be a bitch too. <laughs> I think that each of our strengths, so what you guys are creating at Refit and what we're creating here at, at JSL is um, we are drawn to experiences because mm-hmm. we're kind of that intuitive, you know, gut. gut. Yeah. And it's like we want people to have that almost beyond language, right? that sense of belonging, that sense of connection to God and to people. Um, even if we don't have to define it or say it, we want to create these kind of experiences. But we each do that in such different ways. So what's a way that you like to lead out? Emily's asking the question again because we didn't answer it. Do you like it. that? I no, do. That was good. That was good. I you was, totally called her out. Of well, no, because I was thinking to myself, we didn't answer the question. Oh, I'll bring it back, baby. That's good. You know I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, this might be just this morning I sent Catherine this podcast. Um, it's the Leadership Podcast by John Maxwell. Okay. And so the episode this morning was on communication mm-hmm. and it was, it said, um, direct, 
communication is connecting, not directing. Mm. And so that, I think that would clearly mm-hmm. define how mm-hmm. Catherine and I approach leadership. Okay. I'm very, I, I, all the time, I'm just directing people, do this, go uh-huh. do that, here's why we're doing this. And I feel like Catherine is so much better at connecting with people. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would say I'm, I'm more of a people person. That doesn't make me more right. And then Angela is more task or more um, projects, maybe the wrong word, but her ability to mobilize mm-hmm. a team is it around a vision is like no other. Yeah. I, I, people are like, Oh, thank you for that suggestion, Catherine. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So glad you thought about that. We're not going to do that. And Angela's ability really to, to move people forward is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same way in, in the sense, and obviously there's so much variance between each of our numbers because wings and subtypes Mm -hmm. and, and even our Myers-Briggs and how that plays introvert, extrovert into our leadership. But, um, I do feel the same way about Brett. I'm like, if you harness your power, then people will follow. And I've told him all the time, like, you don't understand the weight of your words. Mm -hmm. You just don't understand the way I can say some of the same things. And I get pushed back in different ways. And I think there's a gender thing. Like there's, there's things he can move. And obviously he works with like all females, but there's ways that he can, you know, push people along and they're like, Oh, bruh, like, yeah. And then I kind of critique something and they're like, God, like, <laughs> wow, critic, you know, I was like, good enough, you know? So it's really, it's really interesting. So I do think there's something about that eight that has so much like power behind it that can really, if you're not aware of it. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest growing edges for the eight is to, is to acknowledge, okay, every sentence I say has, potentially more energy behind it. Yeah, it is an energy. anyone else. Yeah, it's an energy. Whether it's a benign Mm -hmm. joke or a statement of leadership or even a statement of conflict or whatever, and to be responsible with that. That's been the hardest thing for me because I don't think. Yeah. I just fly around and just say words. So how do you navigate that? Uh, I'm married to a one (laughs) who... um, is really, really good and laser sharp on showing me my growing edges because oh, you are really good at that, you ones. Yeah. Um, but no, I really do. I think that's been really helpful for me. I think if I were married to any other number, they might cower mm-hmm. or cower is maybe not the right word, but dismiss or not really say. And I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful to God for putting us together to mm-hmm. help shave off some of my moments that some people could go, God, Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, because yeah. I, I really don't ever mean to be right. Like, I think of myself as this teddy bear fun. I've, that's my experience with most male eights. Mm-hmm. I think because my dad's one. Mm-hmm. I'm like male eights are the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll like protect and bring yes. me along, and yeah, yeah, and have fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I think for us, our my words do carry weight if I can focus them, Mm. like I feel like the Mm -hmm. focus, I I can tend to use a lot of words when I'm still trying to process all that's going on Mm -hmm. up here. And so then like Mm -hmm. everybody gets lost in like, what was she saying? Thank you Angela for pointing at me. Yes. (laughs) Right. But it's so clear to the eight, the eight comes out with something. It's like, this is it, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I have to like process, think, get lots of clarity, 
and then go, here's where we're at. Right. This mm-hmm. is what we're doing. And nobody really, except for a few, need to be a part of that murky process because otherwise it sounds like I'm confused and want to give up on my whole life. <laughs> I, every, every thought is worth entertaining. Yeah. Every idea is a good path to go down and explore. And like, I have to think all of it out to the end to then rewind and come back. Nope. Wasn't the right, you know, and it's, it's like that the whole time. That is interesting is that- too, because I, I do find my, when, when we have those moments, just our time yeah. together and you're, you're kind of processing and I'm thinking, nope, that won't work. Nope, nope, that we don't have enough money to do that. Can't do that. Nope, that's not not cool. Or because I'm the, you know, the police of cool. Right. Um, that <laughs> won't, we can't do that. And and I've had to learn over almost 20 years now, I'll my responsibility is not to shape each one of those ideas. It's just yeah. let you listen. Yeah. Or let you speak and I listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know at some point you're going to get there, even yeah. though I'm already there for you. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You feel yeah. that, Angela? I do. And I think, Emily, you and Cappy remind me a lot of each other because y'all also have such vast, endless creativity mm-hmm. and such big vision. Mm-hmm. You know, I have vision, but it's very practical. Yes. You guys have vision like in the supernatural. Um, it's right. not practical enough yet, but right. but it's getting there. Mm-hmm. And so I think just trusting and knowing that in your processing and in your ideation and creativity, that there is something practical to, to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where eights can actually if we're healthy and if we're patient, mm. you know, we can help mine that a right. little bit. But well, yeah. And that's, what's been the whole beauty of these pairings. It's like, I am the chief ideation officer. Mm-hmm. Like JSL was my whole idea mm-hmm. and it didn't grow and wouldn't have grown unless he jumped on board with my vision mm-hmm. and put some parameters and structures and said, Oh, let's bring it up under here. Let's do this. Let's grow it here. And yeah, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't have happened that way. I think the combination works really well, which I think goes to demonstrate a plurality of leadership is really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like if, if leadership rested solely on one single person, you're actually going to miss out on some things. Yeah. But when you have a plurality of leadership, you can have some beautiful, so I can go up to the 50,000 foot flight with you, Mm -hmm. but I can also come down and do a touch and go on the ground to make sure that it will work or it won't work and then come back up. And I think that's the beauty of a one and an eight because you ones, man, y'all, y'all are up there. Yeah. Yeah. Way up there. (laughs) I have two questions. Yeah. Um, I love this. Turn the tables. Sorry. Um, one, my first question is one time I heard that in leadership, if there more, there's more than one head to cut off the heads, the other heads, cause there has to be one. So I don't mm. necessarily agree with that. Okay. Um, so that was really good for me to hear kind of mm. your thoughts on it. I think that's kind of maybe a old school thought. Definitely. Um, and then the second was how do you guys navigate buy-in for one another? Mm. Like Emily to get Brett to buy in to an idea that's not fully formed Right. But you're like, I feel this and I know and I and I know I need your buy-in because I need your energy and I need you behind this mm-hmm. because I don't want to do this A alone and B, it's not going to be good if you're not doing mm-hmm. it with me. Mm-hmm. I think, um, okay, the first part of the question about leadership. So even our flow chart is like concentric circles, mm-hmm. like from core out okay, um, instead of top down. And so... Um, you know, it is a newer model. Love that. And so, but I, I believe for us, even spiritually being, um, faith based that God operates core out instead of hierarchical, um, and which is a new probably 
more progressive theological probably understanding. Um, and then secondly, regarding buy-in, I think Brett cares deeply about people and justice. And so if I can express there's a problem, mm-hmm. and if I can say someone is not being looked after or our programs are not as successful as they could be mm-hmm. because we're not doing this, and to go from here to there means we've got to fill that gap. So if I can pitch a problem, he's probably going to want to activate on that problem. I don't necessarily always have the best way to get there, but I'm really good at spotting problems. Yes. It's really you good. know. So I, and I will add to that. I, I think um, for me, the biggest is I've learned how to trust her mm-hmm. and not just trust her as my wife, but trust her as a strong leader. And I, I didn't used to say it years ago, but, but now I'm, and I know you hear me say this a lot. I trust your gut. Mm-hmm. I trust your gut in this. Except when I plan gigs for us that go. Well, back. you're still pretty inconsistent <laughs> on that one. You're getting like, a little bit better, I but am. you have signed us up for some doozy events that you result know. in zero monetary zero, reimbursement and a lot of time and energy. Is it like the parish hall at the Episcopal Church totally. to the old Betty's kind We've, of deal? I mean, we, that might be another all. whole podcast it of the okay. events the that we've ever done okay. that resulted. All the things I've said yes to, because I want to say yes a lot more, and he wants to say no. Okay. And huh. so then I have to learn where my time, um, he's just usually like, we don't have time for that, or that's not going to yield a, you know. And I, I kind of want to go with, I want people to come on board. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I'm, I'm like, yeah, but it could be a great connection. We could get more, you know, yeah. community buy-in if we... And he's like, but what's the ROI on that, Emily? You know, like, this is going to... like, not everything has seven ROI. Right. It's hard to get out of this startup mentality. Yeah. Right? When we yes. all started up, whether it was you gigging, you do doing your music events, or JSL, you say yes to everything. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy to just fall back into, into that mentality again. Well, how do y'all push against that, though? Because I feel like y'all are further ahead than us in... Um, in that mentality, I feel like some in some ways we're still operating as a startup mentality. And mm-hmm. so how do you, like, what are you saying no to that's good in order that you can do what's great? Hmm. That's a hard question. I don't feel like we have all of these things to say yes or no to yet. <laughs> honestly, I would like more if anyone out there is listening. Um, yeah, I don't know. You may have a better. I think we did some work in... December and January, mm-hmm. um, where we defined our core focus. Okay. So we're both visionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's a problem exactly. sometimes. Totally. When it was just us as a startup and Emily, yes. the wonderful thing about Emily, our other partner, is she is in. She's all in. She's in Enneagram 7. She is in. So that was great, and that served us really well at the beginning. But when we started building a staff and building people, they get real tired of that. And they're like, oh, another new thing. Oh, my gosh, guys. I feel like that is our life. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's our life. But that's true. That core focus really helped. It basically created this umbrella about what we do and who we do it for. And so now when that new idea comes, if it doesn't sit under that umbrella, we don't don't do do it. it. Yes. So it's just clarifying. You're clarifying. we're, We're like, this is it. It's not going to change in three months. Yes. You like, can tell, tell them what the core focus yeah. is. It's, it's broader than your, uh, than your business. Mm-hmm. So our core focus is to create um, spaces of belonging, empowerment, and transformation. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with fitness. Right. 
but yeah. it's big enough to where it can cover a lot of things. Because for for a while, our our kind of unspoken co- core focus was um, helping her on her journey. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't include our refit dudes, right? And what is a journey? <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's broad enough to where it, it can encompass. Yeah. So now, whether it's a practical idea mm-hmm. for, you know, a new, this isn't a thing, but let's say we were thinking about a spinoff program of mm-hmm. refit. If it doesn't fit under creating a space of belonging, transformation, and acceptance, we don't do it because mm-hmm. that's not what we're moving towards. Those ideas are pretty broad though. So I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of things could fit mm-hmm. under there. Like you could be saying yes to lots of things sure. through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you... like? how do you manage your, your time and your, how do you measure like what's going to be a good investment of this Mm -hmm. program? Like, is it staffing? Is it, you know, are you looking at your budget? Are you looking at how many people it's going to take to implement that? And yeah. Yeah. It's all those things. So under the core focus, then sits your 90 day, one year, three year, five year, 10 year plan. Okay. And so that's what then starts to create the categories. Cause you're mm-hmm. right. It's so broad. You just, that, that North star core right. focus, whatever you want to call it. It just makes sure you're, you're, you're all going the same direction. Yes. Um, and then, then the 90 year, three, five, all of that is, that. is where you're picking and choosing because yeah. you can't do it all. You can't. So now you're just deciding as a team or as a leadership team, this is what we're going to do yeah. for the next year. And know, I remember year. like your one year, you, you guys were like, I am, we are going to train X number. Like that's going to be our goal to train this many instructors. And like you went out and did it, mm-hmm. you know, but you stayed kind of tethered to that vision. Like everything this year is going to circle back to around accomplishing that goal. And that like takes such a burden off, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like when you can Mm -hmm. just settle in and be like, this is what all I'm focused on right now. But yeah. And still, I think where we have to hold it is being willing to pivot still. Mm -hmm. I think I am both comforted by like a a yoke, Mm -hmm. but frightened at the same time. Yes. So, so long as it's like, wet cement it's still cement yeah, exactly. and it's drying I love that <laughs> but you know the in where we got this operating system is from um, traction mm-hmm. and what one of the stats in the book is that most people when they set that 10-year goal it's mm-hmm. overwhelming but they actually get there in three years or okay. five years okay if yeah. they can do the work if they can do the work yeah. if they can follow the operating system and mm-hmm. so then you reevaluate, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's fresh energy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think kind of getting back to our core has been really helpful for our staff and it's helped us move from startup to small business. And mm-hmm. with small business comes infrastructure and processes and people and HR and all the things that yeah. sound like death yes. um, to yes. us, right? but life to someone else. Totally. <laughs> to your staff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They have such an easier time executing exactly when you can give them some clear accountability and measurable. Um, okay. So we love to talk about like resources that we're learning. So tell me your favorite podcasts and books that you're learning about maybe, or that have been really helpful to your staff and organization. You mentioned traction. I so. literally said out loud that next to the Bible, traction is my favorite okay. book. <laughs> I love that. I feel yeah. like we need to read it. Uh, are we going to pitch our other No, book? we're going we're okay. to read You can that. read both. Okay, yeah. good. We're All smart right. people. We have degrees. I would just go chapter by chapter. Just... 
you know, read a chapter there and read a chapter in traction and compare the two. Ooh. It'll, it, I think it's like the Enneagram, you know, you'll Ooh. have a zinger. We're like, Oh, this is lining up more with, with what we are about and who we are. Okay. And I don't yeah. know. It's not too late to pivot. Right. Two at a time. <laughs> Hold two at a time. Okay. So what about you? Podcasts or books that have informed? I only podcast. I don't read too many books. Uh, because I get, I don't know if you get this way, Brett. Oh, Brett doesn't finish. Do you know how many unfinished books I have on my desk (laughs) currently that I'm supposed to catch up reading? I'm seeing a couple, one, two, three. Those are all unfinished, every single one of them. (laughs) Yeah, I will start it and then pass it off to someone who needs to read it and then can tell me what I need to know from it. Part of me feels like I already know how it's going to end. Is Audible helpful for you? Maybe. Angela delegates the reading, reading. the content. (laughs) She She literally will text me and be like, pick up this book. Can you read it? (laughs) I read the first chapter. It's good. Tell me. Because she's a great implementer. So I know that, and learners, you know, she'll learn it and Mm -hmm. she'll commit to it and then she'll bring it back, you know, six months later where after I read it, I've already forgotten what I just read. Yeah. So I like to podcast because I can multitask. I can listen and work. I can listen and do something else. Um, I always find a lot of great nuggets out of the Entree Leadership podcast. Uh Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're Dave Ramsey fans. He kind of, you know, I can go both ways with him. Sometimes he's a little too strong. Entree Leadership's great, though. There's definitely some... some things I don't agree with, yes. um, but I always find from a business standpoint, yeah. there's just a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. in there. And then the story brand podcast, we're big fans yeah. of, um, I just think listening to other people's journeys that, yeah. I mean, I really will l- listen to anything mm-hmm. as long as it's great content. How I built this mm-hmm. yeah, is so inspiring yeah. all the time. Um, Startup so is another one that's really good. I don't think I've listened to that startup. I've heard okay. of it. I haven't listened haven't to listened it, but to I've heard it. of it. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Books, mm-hmm. I mean, attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book, uh, Think Big, Act Small, okay, that I read okay. early, early, early on. Okay, that was really helpful practically and just who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, that acting small translates to like the keeping the customer at the core, yes, and don't think you're too big for yes. your people because that's why you're here, yes, to serve your people. Um. Yeah, I, I I go through my whole library at yeah. home and yeah. recommend all of them. Are you guys Brene Brown friends? Fans? Friends? Friends? I wish we were friends. I wish I was friends. I'm just yeah. wondering with belonging and everybody belongs. We we read her stuff a lot, so I just wondered. She has so much to say, so much wisdom on yes. that. So. I w- I got halfway through her Netflix deal. And oh I was yeah, like this is the best. Yeah, and, and the values work. I mean, she does a lot of that and mm-hmm. and so dare smart. to lead. It's really good. Yeah, really good stuff. Hey, Catherine, can we talk briefly just? for a second about the fact that you were on Fixer Upper? <laughs> yes, we can, Brad. Fixer Upper mentioned. Because I just think that's really cool. Just just give us like three sentences of what that experience was like. Um, okay. Well, you uh, don't have to be three. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Permission. Uh, it was... It was awesome. Um, Angela and I actually were talking about it. However, you know, before I applied for the show, she was like, you should totally do that. And I was like, uh, and for me, I didn't think through the like, wow, everyone's going to see my bedroom. <laughs> That's it. That is an interesting thought. You don't think about that. You don't think, oh, all these people are going to see my closet. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> all these people. They, see although my, they didn't show your closet on the show. They showed on the after. Closet whatever. is amazing. It, it is thank you. an Great. opportunity. I know. Such a good yeah, closet. Um, no, it was an awesome experience, obviously, to work with Chip and Joe and the team. And um, yeah, they kind of took it as a last minute entry. And so I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
their heart for transformation and restoration um, is the same as ours. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it looks different. And so it was really cool to just be a part of that process. And And Chip even did refit with you one night or one day when they filmed it. He He was excited. He he is the best guy. I mean, he was in. He had a sweatband on. I gave him some gold shoes. Oh, my god. He had some moves. He was biting that lip. I mean, he was giving it all he had. Can we just... Can we just say there's another one eight combo? Oh, we don't know. I guess do we know for sure? Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. sounds sounds like it it would be. Maybe one eight is the best way to go. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting way, that's for sure. <laughs> it was so fun though. They did such a great job. And your home is a really cool space to both host people in, mm-hmm. but I can also see where it's a really peaceful place just for you to kind of own space in downtown Waco. Yeah. I I texted them like the day after the show and I was just, or after we filmed and I was like, I'm still in shock that this is mine. Yes. And I come home every day and I literally go, yeah, (laughs) like that's amazing. It's so cool. And it's just, yeah, it's very grateful to be a part. It's so fun. I love that. So side, side note for those (laughs) listening who don't know Catherine very well, she's a very private person. Yes. So it's hilarious and so ironic it is. that she's on this nationally televised totally. program <laughs> in the one space that should be private for her oh. and her alone. <laughs> and we recently found out that she is part of the Waco Tours stop. So they'll do they point it out. They do. Yes. And they apparently... It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. They said like, oh, that's Catherine Ballas, uh, season five episode, whatever. Her cousin's Mark Ballas. And I'm like, okay, just go ahead and give the bio. And then they're like, she always keeps her shades down. That's what they said. Well, yeah. Well, A, I'm not paying to cool the outside. I mean, it's hot. It's hot. It's Texas people. But also, since you're bringing Waco tours by, maybe it's a good idea to keep your shades down. Right, because I have this weird paranoid (laughs) moment where I'm like, people are looking at me. I'm changing. All of those windows are fabulous. (laughs) And so, yeah. And you've been on your porch where people have like pointed at you and waved at you and things. The day I finished assembling my patio furniture Uh by myself, I might add, it said I needed two people. I did it by myself. (laughs) Um, I was, had my Chipotle to go, was all excited to sit outside this like a year ago put like a spoonful in and someone's like hey fixer upper we're from indiana (laughs) yes that is what waco is happening which is new for waco it's just weird that we see all these license plates now and people don't understand our one ways and I had yeah. somebody get mad at me the other day, and I wanted to go, this is my town. You don't get to get mad at me. I'm getting mad at you because hey, you're Nebraska. turning left from the right. Yeah. The RVs the RVs on the small streets are what kills me. Mm. I mean, I'm like, really? Oh like, park at the Exxon or park at the hotel and then walk over here. Like, please right. don't try to park that thing, you know, wow. right outside of our kids' school. It's just crazy. But for all the annoyances, I wouldn't trade it for the world no. because yeah. I'm glad so people know about our great little city. Yes. Because we're all doing things that are going to change the world. You guys are changing the world. Mm-hmm. We're changing the world. Other small businesses and organizations in this town are changing the world. And the world wouldn't know about it if it weren't for yeah. Fixer Upper. Right That's right. right. So it's really cool time to be starting up in Waco. And what's really neat, we've been at this a while. You guys have been at it a while. But Waco's a good place to dig deep roots, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, and then kind of expand out we're neighbors now so we're in uptown waco which is only like three blocks from downtown (laughs) it's fine but all i know is we're outside of the tiff zone so we we don't get money (laughs) 
We are. Um, so you guys bought this great studio, this great property, which is like a block over. It's been amazing. And how do you guys like being in Uptown? How does it feel to own your own space? It feels great. You know, and I, uh, in full disclosure, because I think that's what podcasts are about. It's like do behind it. the scenes, yeah. going deeper, <laughs> going beyond social media. Uh, Catherine and I were not in alignment with mm. the purchase of the building. It probably was... You know, looking back, it'll be equivalent to some kind of world war um, in the journey <laughs> oh of, of... I think it's... One, two... It's at least three. Oh, my god! Yeah. World War Three. Wow. I think it was three. I can remember one did y'all and raise two. Your, did y'all raise your voices? Oh, yeah. I mean, is there any other way to have a uh, world war? <laughs> all, we were texting in all caps. Oh, oh my gosh. You oh yeah. Went it there. went there. Yeah. Oh, woo. No. It's it's probably the second time that we made a decision where there wasn't a equal alignment mm-hmm. by all three parties. Um, which the first time that happened was a disaster. So thankfully this time wasn't. But I think it goes mm-hmm. back to what I was saying earlier about you guys is Catherine had vision. Mm-hmm. You know, she could see something in the building that I couldn't even see. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of our partnership agreement, you know, I, mm-hmm. I did have to acquiesce mm-hmm. to the decision, mm-hmm. but I'm thankful to be able to say that I was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always what I said, even in the midst of it, I was like, I want to get to the place where I can say I was wrong. Yeah. I really hope that that's what's going to happen with this building. Yeah. And, and I think we're there. So I was wrong. You know, it's, you know, what's <laughs> interesting about that dynamic though, that we don't have that opportunity is you guys can have World War three and you can take time off. We have to go home together. That's very true. Because we do have world wars over decisions here. Right. And we have to figure out, okay, now we're going on a date tonight. Mm -hmm. And I am really hot in my chest over (laughs) what she wants to do or not do from a business perspective. So I think it's it's double-sided because I think the thing that I would say here is that we can take a break. Mm -hmm. I can walk out. And go back to my family and not look back and be done with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's there's really not any glue. Like the marriage is, mm-hmm. you'll have to work it out. And mm-hmm. you will because mm-hmm. of the marriage. There's obviously not that here. So there are times where in that volatility and in those really hard moments or seasons, you know, there's always the thought of, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. Do I want to yeah. do this anymore? Yeah. Is it worth it? Is yeah. it worth it? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the question. It's a great, it's a great thing to continue. Um, and I think Jessica Honiger alludes to this in her book, Imperfect Courage, but she says, it's a great day when you shut the exit doors mm. and you know, this is my lane. Like, this that. is where I'm going. Like, there's no more off ramps. Like mm-hmm. I'm bought in. I love that. And and it really is what helps you stay faithful and loyal to your calling, yeah. you know, to, to really what you're called yeah. to do. I think for us in the, with the new building, um, it was the first business decision mm. that divided us, not relational yeah. or like, I want to meet with this person. You don't, you right. know, it was like, this could sink the ship. Right. Like well, yeah. real quick. Yeah. Um, and so, but also this feeling of like, it could also, we could discover America yeah. to stay with the analogy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's why it was so difficult was, you know, I'm looking at the, the numbers and the finances and meeting with people and talking to people and getting advice. And I have one of my, one of my most trusted friends in my business partner in my ear saying, this isn't the right decision. Ooh, you know, yeah. and, and I'm like in the numbers and it's yes. just a lot. And so 
um, we can say that that risk obviously was worth it. Yeah. Um, and we're happy to be there now and we're thankful to have a home yeah. for our community. Man. Well, it was just so cool to see, cause you guys do this huge instructor training every year and you do it in Dallas because there's like, I don't know how many, is it like, how many people do y'all have that come Two, to that? 300. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this big group of people, they're all getting together and you guys are all staying in the hotel in Dallas. But what was so neat was this year you got to bring them here. Mm-hmm. And like, we watched all the, I mean, it's like everywhere you turned around downtown or uptown, you saw like refit, refit, refit. And they were coming to lovely. And, you know, we just, it was so cool to see you bringing your, you know, fam like mm-hmm. here. And can we talk just for a minute about the power of social media and family? Yes, Angela. Because (laughs) you guys are social media ninjas, right? We have watched you from a distance and learned from you. And you have a great following and you have great content. And um, I know, Angela, I think you're a big part of that. And Mm -hmm. you're you're killing it. And it's great. And your pictures always have that knee kick out thing that you girls do. Um, so, knee what is the knee? I don't know. You look. You do that little uh, knee kick thing. I it's like not, what your shoulders doing when you describe yeah, it. Yeah, nobody can <laughs> see that. That's why I like podcasts. Um, but you had a. I, I'm going to talk about it, and I, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to, but I'm going to. You guys had a moment in a city with a hotel where something happened, and oh. um, and and you spoke about it on your social media, and your tribe came to your rescue, and like blew up this particular hotel <laughs> to the degree that you like helped change some policy and like, and like the attorney was also attorneys like, are quit. talking and saying, stop your people. Yeah. Your people and are I just, really protective. I was so intrigued about the power of motivating people. And you guys mm-hmm. did that and you didn't, that wasn't even your goal. You were just kind of venting on social media and people came around you and took up your cause that's pretty incredible leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can, you want to say anything about that? I think our community has a wonderful opportunity to be a family or like release the horde. <laughs> like, release the beast. Yeah. It's yeah. like one of the two. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But, but I, I think that is the power. That's the power of tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't done anything. It's the people who have decided that they want to be a part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about creating spaces of community and belonging, it's not just physical spaces, it's online spaces too. And so I think we leveraged this beautiful technology called social media to help us reach people that were not in our physical midst. And, you know, there, there's no strategy, you know, I'd love to say, Oh yeah, you know, we plan out all of our content (laughs) and we, you know, we read all of the new algorithm. We don't do any of that because we always prefer authenticity over algorithm. Which is and another one in eight trait, mm-hmm. I really believe. Yes. yes. We have to be, real. be who we are mm-hmm. on and off the screen. And though there are levers that we can pull to get more likes or more followers, we want to attract the right kind of people. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you can have unlimited followers yeah. but if they're not your people totally. they shouldn't be part of your tribe so and you guys aren't buying followers no but <laughs> see we need to say that though right because there's, there's a like, lot of people doing that these, i'm like you're buying fo- what there's people who buy these followers and then and there's people who only adhere to certain algorithms and algorithms and it's not to say that's not fine and probably smart to some degree but mm-hmm. it is beautiful and refreshing to be like we don't do any of that we're just being real and being ourselves and being who we are and promoting the vision of refit yeah. and people are 
coming along. Yeah. I think it's tough in our industry, the fitness industry. Lots of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Lots of it. I mean, golly. Yeah. It's built on that. Totally. Um, There's another format that, um, you know, we we watch and they Mm -hmm. are building, building, building and, you know, some some things were disclosed like they mm. don't have any money, you know, right. but they look like they're doing this business, yes. but like mm. they're, it's just nothing holding it up. Right. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think if we were to ever act like that, that's the day we need to close down. Yeah. If we stop serving our people and started being fake, we need to be done here. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a slow burn. Our mm-hmm. end game is not to be the biggest. We say this in our instructor trainings all the time. Our goal has never been to be the biggest of anything. We weren't interested in being the biggest fitness class in Waco. Mm-hmm. We're not interested in being the biggest fitness program in the country. Mm-hmm. We're interested in being a wide deal. And what mm-hmm. that means is like getting other instructors to lead lives of transformation and impact for their communities. Mm-hmm. And so when you take the emphasis off of yourself, that vertical growth isn't yeah. near as important as the wide growth that that's you're accomplishing. Good. And so that's what our tribe is. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be tens of thousands of followers or subscribers, but we have a very deeply committed, deeply connected community mm-hmm. who not just support and value and encourage us, but act mm-hmm. to extend our brand into their local community. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I will say like, so if you look at our platforms, the different things we're on, like YouTube, we have over 300,000 subscribers. Yeah. That's Good a, Lord. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's twice the size of Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say we are looking at ways of how to engage that community. They're our biggest community, but we feel most detached from them and probably they feel the same way about us and then uh, you know with instagram and facebook the content's different and so we can share more of our like our Mm -hmm. heart and who we are um but it always comes back to that community Mm -hmm. being our core focus and Mm -hmm. that connection if if we're not connecting i was listening to gary y'all know gary v gary Mm -hmm. vanderchuk you know Love him or hate him. He's, <laughs> he's got some truth. Some, Love uh, him. Yeah. Love him. He was saying, it's social media. Mm. You have to be social right. on media. <laughs> like you have yes. to talk to them. If you aren't talking to your people and yes. with them about something, right. you have missed the whole point. Yeah. It's, it's not, not about, about followers. You. No, yeah. it's not about, yeah. I got 48 more likes than I did on this post right. and the last post. Right. You're missing it. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so how much of your how much of your time because you do these Tuesdays YouTube Tuesdays and then you're you're posting a lot and stuff and you've got the you've got Refit Studio Waco and then you've got the general big Refit one. How much of your time is spent creating that content, like day to day? Yeah, for me because I ran social media content for the first probably two years of our business and then recently took it back over while mm-hmm. we were looking to hire somebody else. It's just, it's part of my DNA now. Yeah. It's, it's how we built the business. So I'm always thinking about, I, I live life through the filter of, mm. is this good social media content, okay. you know, mm-hmm. for refit. So I'm always kind of on autopilot thinking about content and I, I don't like to pre-plan too much because mm-hmm. I think you have to be willing to be pretty agile. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's, something that pops up at the studio or something that's happening in our business, I want to be able to capitalize on that and share like this podcast yeah. today, you know? Yeah. Um, so we do have a staff obviously of people yeah. who create content for social media, but yeah, I want it to just be as close to organic as possible yeah. with, with obviously some structure and some planning mm-hmm. um, in the midst of that. You and, know, it's interesting you say that about, I've been studying social media through all of what we're doing and, 
um, you know, you're supposed to post two times a day and you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to post at this time. You're supposed to blah, 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 blah. And then you curate and you got to take down and this and that. And I, I was quickly reminded of Bono, mm-hmm. you know, the lead singer of U2. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've read a review somewhere where he said, um, we've always been criticized because we don't make an album a year. We make an album every three or four years or there may be six years in between. And I think that's interesting about social media because we all don't have interesting things to say two times a day <laughs> on some given days. Right. So we shouldn't feel the force to do that. Mm-hmm. We should say things that matter and it may be in the moment and there may be one day we post four times or there may be two days where there's nothing going on. Right. And I'm learning to be okay with that and mm-hmm. not feel like, oh crap, I'm a failure because we didn't post yesterday mm-hmm. out of sight, out of mind. Well, that's not... I, what do you think about that? Do you do you agree, disagree? I think it's a balance. Um, I think you have to play the game. You know, if you're going to step in the arena, there are rules that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. And if those rules are attached to an algorithm, then yes, you should try to do that. But never to the point where you compromise who you are. Yeah. So we're not going to trick anyone. We're not going to bait anyone. Mm-hmm. We're not going to recalibrate content or write keywords so that... We capture new leads. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as we can play the game and still be ourselves, mm-hmm. I think we do we do that responsibly. The other thing is that I think for all of us, you know, we are at a place in our business where we're not a startup, so you're not having to be so desperate mm-hmm. with getting attention right. and um, followers and likes. I, I definitely think it's hard if you're just entering. You yeah. probably have to play yeah. the algorithm game a little bit more, but for where we are, we're kind of comfortable with who we have mm-hmm. and hope that we can just continue to engage with our community with content that makes them want to share or yeah. talk about or word of mouth marketing. Um, and that's kind of our approach. We, again, all the time with every business decision we make, we know there's a lever we can pull right. to get more money, to get more people. We're just not willing to do those things if it doesn't line up with who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Early on, we had an investor come to us and say, you know, I want to have a part of your company. I'll give you guys money, mm-hmm. office, mm-hmm. letterheads, you know, whatever. <laughs> and we kind of were like, we're okay. Thank you. Yeah. And I don't regret that decision. You know, yeah. he's a really great guy. And I think, you know, we even had to go away and be like, what do we need? Yeah. We don't need those things. We we need to connect with people and how do you process and monetize mm-hmm. and do that and, you know, hope an investor gets you there. Yeah. Again, I think um, that's the deal with all of our social channels is it, it did start with word of mouth. It did start with, mm-hmm. you know, people finding us and telling their friends and then the socials are just an expression of that, mm-hmm. I feel like. We pay for very little ad. We have no marketing budget. We pay for very little. I mean, every now and then we'll boost a Facebook post or or an Instagram ad, but it's word of mouth. And I think that is the testimony and the power of a tribe that you build is that they want to do that work for you Mm -hmm. and don't expect to get paid for it because there's this inherent value of we are changing the world. Right just by talking about the things that we love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned the word like three or four times tribe. And so there is a great book called Tribes by Seth Godin. Godin. That guy's smart. He's very smart. And it's a tiny book with great content and a good read. And it's what you guys are doing. It's what you're building. Um, I just love your sweet community. I love the space that you guys have made for us along the way. Your partnership has meant so much. Um, The way that you make the women we work with feel 
is just invaluable. You know, there's no price tag on that. So you are, you are always hosting, you're one of our um, educational components to nutrition and fitness in our access class. Um, so it's just been really cool and sweet to watch and to do that together mm-hmm. with our students is so much fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks well, for always we doing love, that. We love, I mean, I remember when we were at the old studio, gosh, even before that Highland with Gus on oh, your yeah. hip, but at the old studio when we were trying things out and oh, yeah. we, I think we'd talked and said, your people can come for free. Like yeah. we'll figure it out, you know, yes. just because we want women to have an outlet, mm-hmm. in, you know, wherever they are in their, their, their life journey or their, their process of freedom. I think it goes a long way to see someone else be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that totally. space for them is that, that freedom. Yeah. And again, it's not for money or, mm-hmm. you know, sex It's not stripping. Mm-hmm. It's like for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's game, it's a game changer all the way around. So we talk a lot, this whole podcast is about awakening hope and empowering change, which has led us to so many different things. What is that phrase, Angela? I'm going to give you awakening hope. I'm going to give you to empower change. You want to switch? Um, yeah. Okay, switch? switch. I love it. Okay, yes. Maybe, well, maybe you should be challenged, Ooh. challenger. Oh, maybe. I like that. I don't like that. <laughs> okay, Cabby, you take it. What is to awaken hope? What do you think that means? Well, um, Emily, thanks for asking. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I, so I studied hope, actually, for a little mm. bit probably 10 years ago. And one of my favorite definitions of hope is the eager expectation of good. Mm. Um, I think that if we can awaken that in people and women and men, I mean, we'll be unstoppable. I don't think people eagerly expect good these days. I Mm -hmm. think we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think we're waiting for the bottom to fall out. I think we're um, we're very quick. We're a call out culture. Mm-hmm. We're telling everybody what they're doing wrong. We're letting mm-hmm. them know. And you know, the, I don't love that. That's mm-hmm. not sustainable. Um, so I think awakening hope can look like for us in our community, as simple as a, a high five at a studio mm-hmm. saying, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. You know, you look great. Look, yeah. I love those leggings. It yeah. can be, you know, very yeah. superficial to, you know, sitting with somebody after class and hearing their story, yeah. making space for people. Yeah. Um, you know, transformation doesn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. I think it does start though with hope. Yeah. If you can hope outside of your circumstance, if you can see a vision outside of, you know, where you are, mm-hmm. then you'll get started and you'll yeah. get, get going. It's so powerful. Hope is so powerful. That's why you were the perfect person to answer <laughs> that part. No, I, I asked to, to talk about empowerment because in with our business coaches, we've been mm. talking about, you know, what is what is it that you do for your people? What okay. is it that you do for women? And I think the word empowerment is is what we want to is the gift we want to leave for our community. You know, I think that if every woman and men of course, mm-hmm. um, if they could get out of the passenger seat mm-hmm. and be willing to sit in the driver's seat and really advocate for themselves, you know, be willing to choose yourself first. Yeah. That form of empowerment is what can unlock a lot of potential in most mm-hmm. everybody that we encounter. The women that come to us um, are women who were, are normally used to sitting on the sidelines. Right. They're used to giving instead of getting. They're Always. used to, you know, serving instead of asking. They're used mm-hmm. to um, not taking a leadership role. And mm-hmm. so I think any place that we can empower someone to mm-hmm. choose themselves and to mm-hmm. see value in himself or herself, 
that is the ripple effect because that mom mm-hmm. goes back and is a better mom, a better yep. friend, a better spouse, a better coworker, all because she chose to believe that she had worth something, something yeah. worth sharing with the world. Yes. Mm. Yes. So good guys. You guys are so smart. You're so creative. You're so fun. I love you personally. I love, um, just seeing you guys grow and just become all that you were made to be. So thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And I I appreciate you too. (laughs) I I truly admire you both. I look up to you both on so many levels. And um, I just think you're killing it. Wow. Thanks, great lady bosses. And it's it's been fun to kind of walk side by side in this. Well, we're proud of you guys. I mean, we talk about it a lot. I can't believe the stuff that you guys have waded through, the difficulty, the moments of overwhelmed day in and day out that we don't know, you Mm -hmm. know, we, you know, yeah, we don't know what your daily is like, but thank you guys for risking Mm -hmm. and being a voice for women who haven't had a voice. Mm -hmm. So it's such an honor, such an honor. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Refit with Angela Beeler and Catherine Ballas. If we're going to find you on the web, we're going to find you. You're going to find us. Yeah. So it's at Instagram and Facebook at RefitRev or our YouTube channel, RefitRev, or you can just go visit our website, which is RefitRev.com. There you go, guys. Well, I hope you enjoy. I hope you follow. Give it all the likes. Give it all the shares. And make sure that you remember to... Wait, not yet. Not yet. You forgot to say, go give us some stars on the iTunes bit. Okay, and give us, us a review. Love us or hate us. We want to read all of it because I actually kind of want to read the hate because I think those are kind of funny. Oh I get gosh. that. I but get you. Throw some stars down. Nope. Me and Kathy. <laughs> me and Kathy. I'm like, please. Me I and can't Kathy handle the hate. Like, Bring it on. Yeah, give me, that, on. Give me all your Y'all hate. engage the hate. I love the hate. <laughs> please leave um, your email address so I can have a one on one conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and you can find us at, at Jesus Said Love. Yes. So. Yeah, we're excited to see you there. Give us your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, even your feedback on who you would love to see. Talk about awakening hope and empowering change on the Jesus Said Love podcast. Now, Now. as always, don't forget to share the love. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at jesussaidlove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.